minutes, you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar podcast. The guitar box. You want know to try along. again? I'm going to leave this. Let's just try again. Hello, Internets. This is Steve. And this is Ryan. And you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, training, fixing, modding, breaking, and reviewing podcast. Ah, oh, you did it, Steve. First Woo! try. You didn't even mess up at all. No. You're real professional. Whatever. <laughs> That's what happens when like I plan ahead and I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to read it this time because it's been getting sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> that whole hello internet's through this wrinkle in that I just didn't quite prepare myself for. Right, right. Uh, why All don't right. you ask me what's new, Steve? Hey, Ryan, what's new? Uh, I'm watching an eBay bid right now that I made for another microphone and it's got like 13 minutes left on it. And uh, when I get that, then we'll be able to have guests on more often. Nice. I had to borrow a microphone when we had uh, Daniel Tyak as a guest. And I'm getting another microphone, so I don't have to borrow anymore. I'm still bummed. Uh, you sent me that listing the other day that was like five microphones. Yeah, that was and, crazy. And then it got taken down. So this ad was, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was uh, two MXL 990s. Um an MXL V sixty three, uh-huh. Uh an Octava MK three nineteen and something else. I don't remember what the other one was. Yeah, it was basically a big old pack of five condenser yeah, microphones. And the guy's like broken. Yeah. Does, the, not, does not work. Plug these into an I plugged all of these microphones into an amplifier and they would not work. And I was like, well, it's probably because you plugged them into a karaoke machine because you're a pawn shop. Yeah. And like, all these microphones need phantom power, and you don't know that because you run a pawn shop. Yeah, and I think, like, the V63... So, the the MXL 990, I don't... You know, it's a very run-of-the-mill condenser. It's great for what we're yeah. doing now, but it's definitely, like... I would describe it as the uh, low end of... Oh, Definitely of condensers it's serviceable it's not like a piece of crap um it's a workhorse but it's a workhorse for sure once the mxl v63 is supposed to be a lot better and then i think that that mk319 is supposed to be like a pretty good mic um i have a feeling somebody emailed them was like oh uh did you try like did it work with phantom power somebody spoiled it because i made a bid for like 60 bucks and the highest bid before that was like 45 Yeah. And uh, half an hour later, it was down. So somebody somebody wrote him and, and clued him into what he needed to do. They were probably like, oh, before I bid, could you see how they work with phantom power? And then as soon as he realized that he wasn't running them right, he was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to take these down and piece them out. Right. So I've got that link in my uh, on, on our Facebook message. I should look it up and see if... if that shop is selling them. if that shop is like reselling them separately if they determine that they worked yeah or um or the other thing is because it i mean i'm like 99 percent sure it was a pawn shop yeah maybe somebody just went in and bought them that's what i'm thinking too someone went in uh and was like oh a box of condenser mics i know how to make these work and they just bought them yeah they guy probably had like a 75 dollar price tag on them well hopefully um Hopefully someone got hopefully them for a great deal. Hopefully somebody got them, and, and you know, hopefully we can pick up another mic soon. And uh, yeah, well, we, we're supposed to potentially be going out and talking to uh, Adam from Satellite Amps, soon. right? 
Uh, Are uh, we going to do that at satellite? Yeah, that's what it sounds where, like. Where? It, do you know where that is yet? No idea. But I'm familiar with satellite amps. They make some great amps. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys should look them up and and see what they do. They are on the back line for a lot of famous guitarists. Yeah. Uh, relatively small boutique company, but they make a very specific amp that uh, a lot of dudes are loving. You, you'll see them stacked behind, you know, someone's rig, and they've got, you know, a couple Marshall half stacks, and they're weird vintage fender amp and then there'll be a little satellite yes satellites weird because they're one of these local companies that i think the first time i think the first time i saw satellite amps was either um like bad credit or revolver which are both local bands Uh it might have been one of them i saw like in a picture or when i saw bad credit live or it might have been when we all went to see Presidents of the United States of America. I know Presidents was were at using House them. of Blues, yeah. um, and that was the first time I heard of them. And I thought, like, oh, this is this up and coming amp company. But then they kind of uh, they've just managed to stay really small, yeah. Despite the fact that you know, like you said, there's just a big contingent. Um, a lot of professional users love them. I, I just pulled this up. This is, I mean. You know, these are just artist quotes. They on satellite amp site says we do not have any paid endorses. We don't give any amps away for free. So these are all guys who have who have bought it. Some of these guys are local. Uh, I'm just going to throw out band a couple of names here that I recognize. Oh, one of them is apparently like a, the guitar player for Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of like punk, punk rock kind of stuff. Social distortion. Uh, Descendants, Rocket from the Crypt, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, wow. Um, and again, uh, Pusa, as we already mentioned. Yes. So that's just a, a few of the names that are on here. And we'll talk more about them if we do go in and get, yeah. get to talk with him. Uh, we really enjoyed doing the episodes with Tyak. Looking forward to interviewing more people. For I, sure. I was talking to uh, a friend who's a, a bigger name in the in the guitar world. Uh, the other day, and I want to get him in probably next month sometime. Okay, cool. Uh, and I don't know if we have anyone else that we have in mind. Maybe we'll talk to. Uh, maybe we'll bring in Sam Miller from yeah. Carvin and Deering Banjos fame and fame. And uh, I can't think of anyone else at the moment. But I know that there's people that we can talk to. Maybe we can even bring in some listeners who are in the area. For you know? sure. Just talk to people. It was fun fun having a, a third person to bounce off yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it gives a new perspective. Uh, we should just start getting our wives on the podcast. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Family cast. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, we should do a party cast where we have a party with all our friends and people just uh, jump on the mic and it's just chaos. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to do that. It would be so that stupid. That just seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> I've, there's... There's a couple. There's a podcast I used to listen to that was uh, a tiki culture podcast. Tiki culture, and they would basically make cocktails, and by the end of each episode, would be just smashed. And it beca- it became mm. a little rough for me to listen to it because, like, at the end, it sounds like these people are ready to go to bed. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, should we uh, should we get into ads? Yeah, let's jump into some ads. Sure. Uh, right off the bat, let's hit this uh, GNL one. 
G and L tribute S five hundred. Yes, uh, if you're not familiar with G and L, it is a company that Leo Fender started after leaving Fender, and then after doing stuff with Music Man, right? Uh, or was I think it the G- same, was it the same time as Music Man? I think G and L was after Music Man. Yeah, it was but basically Leo Fender uh, reinventing the wheel with uh, Fender guitars. Uh, basically taking some Fender designs and adding different hardware, uh, adding premium features for the time, uh, modified pickups and things like that. And what we have here is an S500, which is an import version of GNL. Yeah, and this these... is the GNL, the, like you said, the tribute version. Uh huh. These go new for what, like 600 bucks? Uh, but yeah, five five fifty. I think is what yeah. they go for right now. It's comparable to your Mexican right. Fender sort of quality, uh, but you get a a better kind of like two point uh, Strat tremolo on there. That's got a better arm. Uh, the pickups are supposed to be better. They look nice. They're nice Strat versions of uh, like nice versions of Strat guitars. Yeah, they've got their whole range of just different all of their high end stuff. They've got tribute versions. Uh, so there's like the S500, mm-hmm. uh, the ASAT, which is kind of their Telecaster yeah. style guitar. A lot of people love the ASAT. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I've always noticed with G&Ls, especially the older ones, the USA ones that were made in the 70s, heavy as bricks. Oh, yeah. But that was the thing in the 70s. There was a whole movement like, oh, got to get as much... Uh, heavy wood in there as possible because that's where your sustain comes from and you want sustain. Yeah. If you're playing guitar, you want it to sound like a piano, right? Or you just want it to well, sustain for and, hours. And, you know, if you think about it, all of the wood that they harvested for the guitars that they built in the 80s, they harvested extra wood. It's just been sitting there drying for 30 years, and that's why it's so light now. <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is probably not one of the heavy models. No, well, this is a more no. recent one. Uh, but the the price on it, this is here in San Diego. It's only two fifty. Right. They do go for about two seventy five at the very bottom of what we saw in completed listings for eBay. But it looks like more commonly they go for like three fifty to four. Yeah, I was when you sent me this. I was like, wait, are you sending this because you think I should go buy it? Because you know, like. <laughs> That is I a used, great price. I used to do flipping. G&Ls, I'm sure, are hard to sell. Yeah. Um, well, that was the thing. When looking at the completed listings on eBay, there was a lot that did not sell. Right. Well, and it's interesting. There's a base that's on our local Craigslist that is a G&L. I don't remember what model it is, but it's one of the bases. I think, and I think it's like an older one from the 80s. And... Uh, the headline on the ad says like George like uh not George, George Fullerton is the G in G and L. Right. It says uh Leo's final P base. And it's this I think it's a the G and L like S B two thousand or something. Uh-huh. And it's a very like modern looking base design. Like it's got like the sharp cutaways. Whereas, like you know, the classic Fender design is very is a very rounded, yeah, like very very fifties fifties. Uh, you know, we associate with the fifties, and it's just very rounded. Um, 
this base looks like something that Carvin would have made in the 80s or like a Ibanez sure. would have made in the 80s with the way the Ibanez took the super strat and kind of just made the horns pointy. It reminds me of that. And it's like, oh, Leo's Leo's final P base. You know, he he got it he got it right with this one. This is the last one he made, and then he was last one he designed, and then he was done designing the P base bodies or whatever. Right. And uh, while I get that, like there is there is definitely this uh, like reverse hierarchy of instrument designs, and it seems like it's. I don't want. I'm sure there's brands where this isn't true for, but I think you think about Fender, like their designs that have lasted the longest and have retained the most value are um, the older ones. The older ones, you know, the yeah. classic. The classic Strat design has remained relatively unchanged uh, for 60 years. The basic Telecaster design has remained unchanged for uh, again, uh, you know, 60 yeah. or whatever years. Um, and Fender, Leo Fender went on to, you know, he sold Fender in the sixties. He went on to design the music man stuff in the seventies and then, uh, the G and L stuff in the eighties. And, um, the music man stuff is, is a little more desirable from the seventies, but I don't think you really hit the peak of. Music man, and I'm just talking value here. This yeah, isn't yeah. this isn't a commentary on All how good the guitar plays. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure whether you're getting vintage, you know, classic Fender or Music Man or GNL, like it's all American made stuff. Yeah. And, all that stuff and, is really and, playable. Yeah, and it's all in an era where American made stuff was the peak of guitar building. Yeah. Um so it's all good stuff, but value wise, like GNL is worth money, but it you know, nobody's saying Oh man, I got to get me that 1987 GNL Comanche because that was Leo's final Stratocaster. Yeah. He finally got it right. Like you know, um, I had some guy offer me a trade for a Comanche. What was it, like six months ago? I don't remember what I was selling, but it was one that was a special edition where Leo's name was carved into. Oh, it. I remember that. And I was super tempted, but then super kind of turned off because. They don't sell, like people don't buy them. Yeah, and they have a certain value, and there is a certain collectability. But you've really got to get it in front of the right person. Was that when you were trying to uh, sell the Jag? Maybe. And I, th- I can't remember. Yeah, it was I, so long ago. I don't know. You know, and like I said, G and L makes a high quality product. Yeah, but it's just. It's just situational. I know the guys who play GNLs love them. A lot of guys I've seen that want a more modern sound that are, you know, they're playing in like maybe more of like a. It's for I, you, you know, want. I've seen GNLs in all kinds of playing situations. Yeah. I've seen them in country. The band that always comes to mind when I actually, when I think of GNL is Me Without You. Okay. Uh, those guys were, have been playing ASATs for, for a long time. And, uh, and they, you know, they get some pretty heavy droney sounds out of them. But, I, you know, like I said, it, it's a guitar that you see all over the place. Um, but it, it's, I don't know, it, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for 250 though, 
I think someone locally, if they pick this up and they're looking for a oh, strat, yeah. I think that's a really good deal. For sure. It's going to be a great playing strat for 250 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I probably, if I was looking for a strat, I probably wouldn't pay any more than 400 for for do, this. Do the GNL tributes have like the two-point tremolo yep. on them? Yep. It's got that big beefy uh, two-point GNL trem. Right. And then it's got uh, some extra switching in there. I think you can either do uh, where you combine the bridge and the neck or you do some yeah. phase shifting or something like that. Yeah, they've got a lot of options like that. I, I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'll throw it out there since we're talking GNL. Sure. Um, I've got an offer pending on a GNL base for my Jazz V that I'm still trying to yeah, trying the to five string. sell the five string. I don't know if it's going to go through. The guy asked me some questions, and I I answered them, and uh, and so I'm just that was yesterday. So we'll see what happens. Sure, um, it looks cool. But it's, it's it it's looks an cool, and it's got base. like a ton of switching options. I don't even know. Yeah, it's got three mini toggles on it. I haven't looked into it. It's semi hollow. Is it? Well, it's got like an f hole in it anyway. Oh, okay. So it might be semi hollow in the way that like. Excuse me, like you have like Telecaster Thin Line where it's not a true semi hollow, but it's kind of, it gives it maybe a little more, more range. But, you know, I, if it were, if the guy gets back to me and wants to do a straight trade, I'm going to do it. If she sure. doesn't, then, you know, it's not a base I'm in love with. So, right. Well, I, don't, I could see you playing that base. Yeah. I could see you falling in love with that. Uh, this is episode 21, and Steve is. is drinking a beer. We're old Ooh, enough to drink we're now. We're old enough to drink So now. that's why you might be hearing Steve burp a little bit here and there. <laughs> uh, I only had on. one, and I'm actually done with it. Yeah, let's move on. Oh, do your do the Ibanez ad. All right, so I, uh, I printed this ad out. This is for a vintage analog Ibanez Delay Champ CD10, 85 bucks. I don't know anything about this pedal. Actually, we did a little bit of research. I'll read it. The ad, um, fantastic paddle made in Japan, uh, sounds so good. <laughs> Unlike digital, if you want that warm, more natural sounding echo, like that of an older tape unit, these are very impressive sounding. I don't really use much playing blues. I need money for bills. Hope it goes to good home. Oh, this is actually in my hood. Uh, this is in the nine nine two one two two. Uh, only thing wrong is I lost one of the knobs. Saw one on eBay the other day. Exact match for $15. I have the pedal priced according, according missing knob. These pedals go for 125 or more. So with the, if you bought the replacement knob, you're looking at a hundred bucks basically. Um, or you could just slip any normal knob on there. Yeah. I forget what this series was called. It's not the sound tank. It's the 10 series, which Actually, the TS-10s are going for a ton of money now. Yeah. Um, for a while, that was kind of like the secret, like the TS-808 and the TS-10 were supposedly the same pedal. Sure. Or whatever, very similar. The difference is I think that the switching on the TS or on the 10 series is kind of weird. It's kind of crazy to me that these are becoming valuable pedals now because when I started playing guitar in the 90s, that was like... Uh, pawn shop fodder like oh, yeah. the cheap pedal you could get with the big plastic switch on it uh, you know these weird Ibanez pedals and then they came out with the sound tank stuff which was another plastic pedal Yeah, uh, and it kind of blows my mind that these are becoming sought after yeah, but I, I guess have... if they have you know 
vintage style analog circuitry in it, why not? You know, if they yeah. sound great. I, I had like a, uh, the FZ10, I think it was the FZ10 or something like that. Or might've even been like a MS. I don't uh-huh. know. Some kind of, I had a 10 series pedal that I sold on eBay. I don't remember how much I sold it for. Uh, so the reason I printed this out and I printed, I had looked at another couple ads, um, is I wanted to talk about the word vintage. Okay. And in this ad, like I can look at this and say, okay, this is borderline vintage. But the other ad that I found out, and maybe I'm just way off because I don't know that much about old mixers and stuff. But the other one I saw was a vintage, uh, teak that's T E A C, uh, mixer. And again, this looked like something from maybe the seventies or the eighties. It looked like a like a really small bedroom mixer. Yeah, like something you'd it's like use, a four channel. Something you'd use for like a small PA or small bedroom recording operation. Yeah, it looked like something that would have hooked up perfectly to my dad's old reel to reel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would never think to call that. Oh, my dad's got a vintage reel to reel, which is kind of what I'm getting at. This pedal. This analog delay, maybe it's vintage or maybe eventually it'll be vintage. But in my mind, like vintage infers some sort of quality or desirability. And uh, now surprisingly, I actually found this because I did a a search on Craigslist just for the word vintage. Oh, okay. You used to see the word vintage getting abused a lot. I didn't see too much vintage abuse, I guess, uh, this time around. But I I remember I know I've seen stuff that was like in the past that was like uh, 1993 Fender Strat or Squire Strat Bullet Stratocaster made in Korea soon to be vintage <laughs> and I'm like no that will never be vintage well you never say never Steve yeah I mean I guess but I mean that might be in a museum someday when and future people will look at it uh, eventually uh Jack White Jr is going to play one <laughs> and and the v- value of them will skyrocket You did it you mentioned Jack that, White It's been a while Yeah It's been uh, a while Oh wow <laughs> Wow You just made a stained reference That's terrible I know I I'm ready to end my life over here <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I've seen some really bad vintage usage, but at the same time, it's, I, I think I'm hitting a point where, so I really got into Craigslist in college, like maybe 10 years ago Uh and 10 years ago, I would say, oh, stuff from the eighties. Like I, I would say like. I, w- I feel like for a long time in my head, like the vintage cutoff is maybe 30 years old. Okay. So in two- 2004, that would have been like an- when I started really getting into Craigslist, 2003, 2004 in there, uh, that would have been like a 1974 Stratocaster was vintage. But I've played like 75. Actually, I- I- I've played a 75 Strat. It's amazing guitar. But I never would have thought of it as vintage. It's just like an older Stratocaster. Right. I would never think like, oh, a 1978, 79 Strat, especially at that time, I would have never thought of it as being vintage. At the time, those guitars were going for like maybe $1,000. Sure. And so, um, I think and, there's... and now the market's really climbing on that. And so I think what I'm having trouble coming to terms with is the idea that if I stick with the 30-year rule, my... Stratocaster, just on the 30-year rule alone, 
is borderline vintage now. Yeah. No, it kind of is. I think of your your strat as being uh you know old enough to be desirable. I just think of it as old. <laughs> no, but it's got I think there's a it's a tough term because it does imply that there's something desirable and something right. collectible. And what do you call something that is old and not desirable? You know, you call it old, just old. Yeah. Well, and I guess like, like I said, there's a, I feel like there's an implied value. So I almost feel like if it's not, if the item, whatever it is, isn't selling for significantly more than its modern counterpart. Right. Then it's not really vintage. Uh, I guess I could see that. Yeah. So like, when, so I guess by that rule of thumb, like now that a seventy Stratocasters are selling in the two to three thousand dollar range, I'm a little more comfortable with the idea of saying, "Oh, it's vintage" because they're worth more than a 2014 American sure. Stratocaster. At the same time, this delay, eighty five bucks for an analog delay, that's cheaper. Yeah, than, than if most. you went out and bought a boutique delay. Looking at it age wise, you have a DD two. Would you, if you were to sell that, would you say vintage DD two? Well, I see. I sold that DD two. Did you? Did you? Say I don't it was know vintage? if I called it vintage, but I did play up its age in the ad. Sure, and I did play up its qualities as a vintage pedal. Right. I you know I guess well, it's an older, I didn't say vintage its qualities as a older pedal I I found the year model and right and things like that and I said some technical specifics about it so in a way I was saying that it was vintage and it is a hard it's a pretty hard delay pedal to find yeah I thought about sitting on it for right about ten years and seeing what would happen well and the other side of that is like a Boss DM two DM three which aren't made anymore and those yeah. pedals sell for like three hundred dollars and those are eighties pedals yeah they're eighties are the same age as a CD ten yeah and I would be comfortable with someone saying oh I've got a vintage DM two sure even though it's the same age yeah so the, I guess that's that desirability component. Maybe like something about I don't the, know. the availability of it too. Like yeah, if, if collectors are plucking these things up, then they're not going to be on the market anymore. But if people haven't discovered them, or if they're not good, no one's going to be picking them up. Yeah, it's just one of these things that's just kind of like a weird buzzword that uh, I don't know. Like it's just something that yeah uh, doesn't sit well with me but i can't really you really can't get too upset yeah over it. I, it doesn't it's one of those things that doesn't sit well i don't like to see it used in ads but at the same time i don't feel like i can justify why it doesn't sit well with me. sure and i think that bothers me more than the than anything else there's something inside you and you can't get it straightened out yeah i think i think the clear thing that we would be able to say yes or no on is if we saw something being pushed as vintage and it was clear that it was being pushed as vintage to take advantage of someone's sensibilities you know yeah well and you know what's going to be interesting and i've heard it's going to be interesting when we're 60 years old and some some guy on a pawn shop show is trying to push a 90s bullet squire as a vintage guitar that is going to be real tough yeah this was made this was made in china man not like that made in whatever country not like that made on the moon garbage yeah uh (laughs) not not in like the i can't i the problem with this is i can't pick a i know what countries i want to pick from 
I can't pick a country without coming off as super racist. Let's assume uh, that in the future, <laughs> uh, Britain will fail and fall into its own kind of post-apocalypse and become the manufacturing center of the world. All right. Where all the sweatshops will be. Yeah. Oh, so this, we'll say the this future... Is, this is Vinci's Made in China, not like that new Made in the UK stuff. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> now you don't feel racist. No, I don't. Success. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So... The one thing I will say, and you're talking about talking, taking, taking advantage of people's sensibilities, and I have heard rumors that people already expect this to happen, uh-huh. is first batch soul foods. Oh, no. Yeah. And how long, though? You know, I've been seeing... I the- wouldn't be surprised if you started seeing first batch soul foods selling at a premium right now. No, they're starting to flood the Craigslist. There's, oh yeah, I've but are seen, they first batch? I've seen at least three Soul Foods on Craigslist this week, all under sixty dollars. Why don't you own any of them? I offered a guy in Poway a trade for my satisfaction fuzz. Oh yeah, I told he he was asking fifty five bucks. I was like, I'll give you my my satisfaction fuzz plus five dollars, and he's like, Nah, I just need cash. Lame. Yeah, I I you know I understand that. Yeah, uh, but there's a bunch on the market. People aren't retaining them for some reason. I think a lot of people have heard the hype about uh, Klon pedals, uh, and they want to try the cheap alternative, and they're realizing that it's a pretty specific pedal. Right. And they're like, well, I don't really need this. I don't need a very light overdrive. I need just the Tube Screamer that I already had, you know? Yeah. So if you're looking for soul food, check the used market first. I know they sold out of those things super quick. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Electro Harmonics was like, we can't keep up with demand. You guys got to... I think there was like a three-week a three week lag where they didn't have any stock. Right. Music Power is a big EHX dealer. At least they have been. I, uh-huh. I, I need to cruise over there and, and see if I can check one out. Yeah. I really want to test one out. Part of me is just curious. Like, yeah. do I want to have that just to mess around with it? But then I see it posted so much on the groups now. Right. I'm like, I don't want to be another guy with a soul food <laughs> on my board. All right. What's the next? I already, I already feel bad enough about having an OCD because everyone's got an OCD or they used to anyway. Right. All right. We've got one more ad and I don't even really want to talk about the ad so much. I'm just entertained by the title. Uh, Ibanez Artwood Tree of Life. Really pretty. Look, $222. At Uncle Ralph's special stash of really nice guitars. <laughs> Do you remember? I, I want to know if that's the actual name of his shop or if that's just what he calls his garage. The picture looks like a shop, doesn't it? It looks like it kind of looks like a shop, but it could also be. Uh, I could see that being some dude's. It's just uh, a man, man cave. This is man cave. Yeah. Oh man, cave. Yeah, it kind of looks like a man cave because it's like. The way the amps are stacked on top of each other looks like a little bit more personal care than a shop I don't know. It kind of just looks like Freedom Guitar. Yeah, that's true, too. But it's... I don't want to talk about this guitar too much. It's a special Ibanez. It's got this uh, really neat inlay. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, 222 bucks. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's hard. Two, it's really two, two, hard. Two. If you buy three of them, you can use their combined powers oh to summon Satan. <laughs> It's really hard to talk about acoustic guitars for me anyways, especially in a right. format like this, 
because I feel like within their own models, you can have so so much variation with acoustic guitars. For sure. Where it's like, they'll feel different. They'll sound a little different. Uh, I feel like a lot of acoustic guitars, you really just got to get your hands on them and you got to play with them. And you find that magic one, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want people to think that we're not appreciators of acoustic instruments because we talk about electric so much. I feel like it's just tougher. Yeah, there's so much variation, too. I mean, I feel like, and this is a gross oversimplification, uh-huh. but I feel like with This elect- is the first time we've had a gross oversimplification yeah, ever. in the history of the podcast, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, <laughs> Well, you know, basically, I feel like with electric guitars... You can get a lot of similar tones from guitars that you're not supposed to be able to get similar tones. Sure. From. I mean, you know, Iron Maiden, Stratocasters. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Under Oath, Christian Metalcore, whatever. Right. Seven String Humbucker. No, Telecasters. Oh, it's Telecasters? Telecasters. Shows what I know about that band. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least, I mean, for a while they were using Telecasters. You know, you, there's a lot of different things. So many different guitars, all of your PRS guitars. Well, in a lot of ways, as far as I can tell, like, you know, it's just the same Les Paul dual humbucker format. In a lot of ways, electric guitars simply are the sum of their components. Right. So if you're familiar with the components, you're going to have a good idea of of what it's going to sound like. There's an acoustic guitar. uh, Yeah, you could get picky about the wood, but it's really more about the sum of the build. Yeah, like the the expertise of the person that built it, how well they glued, how well they uh, trimmed the wood, how well they fretted right. it, you know, because it is dependent on its physical form for its sound. It's not like an electric guitar where it's basically a slab of wood with strings floating over it. And to an extent, like with an acoustic guitar, at least until like if you're just talking about the bass tone, whatever you buy, that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. I mean, you can swap not out. A lot of modification. You can swap out your plastic nut for a tusk or bone or whatever. Sure. If you've got an acoustic electric, you can change maybe change whatever condenser mic is in there. Or change yeah. your. You can change your, your brand system of strings and, and different things. You can change your strings, but it is what it is. You're kind of stuck with whatever you have. You know, a lot of guys who wanted a ton of versatility from their dual humbucker. Les Paul style or whatever, they all went out and bought Seymour Duncan P rails. Yeah. And they're like, I've got a humbucker and a P90 and a single coil all in one pickup now. Yep. And they were getting maybe 90, you know, they're not, it's not a hundred percent humbucker, a hundred percent. Any of these, they're getting 95, 90, 95% of the way there. And they're happy with it. Sure. Um, if I've got an acoustic guitar and I'm like, Oh, I want that. Uh, I want that cedar top sound. There's not a I mean, I guess you can try to EQ like a spruce top guitar to, yeah. to have that cedar warmth, but but you're kind of limited there. So. Sure, sure. It's just a, it's a more difficult instrument to talk about in a format like this. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. I think if we were going to be an acoustic guitar-oriented sort of podcast, we would actually need to do some serious miking and actually be playing... While for, we talk. While we talk for it to mean anything, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, here's this guitar and... Here's how it's mic'd, and here's how it sounds and plays. Is that the Prairie Home Companion format? <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. know. I've, I've right. never. I've only seen the movie. I've never seen the movie. I've listened to the radio show. Oh, I think I saw the movie. 
Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of A Mighty Wind. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah, you should. I've seen the one about the dog show. Dog show? Yeah. Isn't it called Dog Show? I think so. It's, yeah. long, it's, it's all the same got, guys. It's got Fred Willard in it, right? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. It's but it's all the same. It's all the the I, yeah. What I forget what troop they're what that group is called. Right. It's is it Groundlings. No, it's all the guys that did Spinal Tap. Yeah, but what are those guys called? It's not the Groundlings. Shoot. Second City. Is, is it? Sec- I think so. No, I don't think so. Oh, I'm just naming improv troops now. Yeah, I don't think those improv troops are. What's the name of the director? Um. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? What is this? A movie podcast? Is it Terry Gilliam? No, no, that's Monty Python. Brazil. Yeah, Terry Gilliam is the Monty Python yeah. guy. Um, Let's get off of this subject. Yeah. People are going to think that we're idiots. <laughs> People already think we're idiots. It's, do you think that's why they listen? I hope so. This is... <laughs> yeah, so... Um, oh, man, Spinal Tap. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Yeah. I know um, that you've been wanting to talk about guitar movies for a while as a topic... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's you know what? let's throw it out there to the group. Let's throw it out there to our listeners. Um, if you've got a favorite guitar movie or a list of uh, movies that you would consider guitar movies, or like your least favorite, guitar or your movie. least favorite, we'll talk about all of them. Yeah, uh, let's let's get the people yeah, on the group like or email us like send us links. Yeah, send us an email at a sixty cycle hum cast at gmail.com one thing i i totally forgot we we got some questions on i'll have to go back and find them uh you can use the ask function on tumblr oh really uh and it'll send us a question somebody sent us a question and it was anonymous and i never replied to it so i thought we were going to get to it on the podcast and then i forgot do you remember so, what the question was uh i could find it you find it real quick steve um yeah so send us some movies um i know you know, like I said, I kind of thought about this because of of uh, <laughs> Spinal Tap, but um, there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's all kinds of like just bizarre, whatevers. Yeah. Um, uh, remember Six String Samurai? Oh yeah, that was, that was a cool movie. That was a cool. It was a great guitar movie. It was a terrible regular movie. Right. <laughs> like you don't watch that movie and go. Oh, this is a great movie, but if you're into guitar, you're like, oh, this was really cool. You know what? I think I cleared out everything from Tumblr because we get all those, like, so-and-so is following you on Tumblr. Right. And I may have deleted it because I suck. It's probably a super Um, important question, too. It was a cool question. I just, man, now I'm bummed. And I don't think it's going to be in the trash. Uh, It might be. Let's see. Tumblr, Tumblr, Tumblr. <laughs> this is the best. Really? Po- okay, the here best we go. I found done. it. Someone asked a question. Okay. Uh, the question was, uh, oh, we actually we talked about this in the one with Tyak. Um, it says so. After purchasing a, a guitar built by a newer small builder, which is Cower, he's talking about Cower guitars. Okay. Uh, it's coming to my attention that the resale on these small builder unique instruments varies quite a bit. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on how you think these instruments will hold value versus the high-end copy guitars such as TMG. Just a thought. Um, so, uh, well, I think we've covered this before. Uh, you do lose money on this sort of stuff. You lose money anytime you buy something new. There's, 
you've got to wait a really long time before something you buy new eclipses what you paid yeah. for it or even equals out what you paid for it. Uh, just- I, I think potentially... Um, and th- not to, I don't want to dive because we, we kind of brushed through the TMG controversy uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, but I think potentially like something like we've talked about Ronan on here, and you're meant, you know, the sure. this person wrote about Cower. I think a unique body design actually has the potential to retain value better. Yes. Um, because with something like TMG or Danocaster or Nash or all of these guys, um, I'm sure there's a market of like vintage or like not vintage, but like old, like original, like older Nash guitars or whatever. Uh huh. But with those, it's all about um, they're doing clones of Fender. Yeah, designs. they're doing clones of Fenders. It's all about it's all based on their retention of of it's like the value of their original instruments is really I think going to be determined by their longevity. Whereas sure. something like Cower or Ronin, if they're just a flash in a pan. Where they had like maybe like five or six good years or whatever, and then they just disappeared. The fact that they're making unique body shapes could be advantageous in the long term use market uh-huh. because other companies aren't necessarily going to do that. Right. It could I've, be like a Moserite thing where exactly you know exactly. decades down the road people are like, oh, remember that guitar company yeah. that had or, like the different shape? Like that's what I want for my punk band and maybe yeah. for a period you'll be able to pick them up cheap so i could see a company i you know i don't know a lot about cower they are pretty new but i could see like uh built yeah uh, or um fano fano like these companies that are doing like kind of unique body designs uh-huh and there's big artists that are playing them right now yeah like that kind of stuff taking off whereas with a tmg if tmg goes out of business well there's still Nash and Danocaster yeah. and Grosh. And if one of them goes away, there's going to be another one that's just waiting in the wings to take their place. Sure. That's probably going to be able to offer a similar similar quality instrument. It's all about finding your your niche uh-huh. and like hammering it. So that's a, that's a short version. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, guitars are terrible investments uh, unless you're going to play them. Yeah, you know, if you if you the the value is one in what you do with it, not what return you get, right? Uh, unless you're buying stuff on the used market and then flipping it back into the used market, yeah. Uh, and then you have to kind of know what things are worth to do yeah. that. Like you're never going to buy a new guitar and have it be worth more than what you paid, uh, you know, in in decades. You know, yeah. I mean, you can get really lucky. Yeah, it's, and, and even then, like the thing that people forget is there's no way to, pr- to predict. Yeah, it. it's unpredictable, and the thing that people forget is like when you sit back, and with some of these, you know, I know people who say, "Oh, I bought this like, I bought this Stratocaster in 1986 for 600 bucks, and now it's worth 1200 bucks." Well, there's this thing called inflation. Yeah. Um, and if you would have taken that 600 bucks and bought like $600 worth of shares in Apple in 1986, sure. you'd be filthy freaking rich right now. Yeah, totally. So just enjoy the fact that you've been playing an awesome guitar for the last 28 years. Yeah, totally. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be filthy freaking rich, but I mean, it worked for Forrest Gump. So yeah, totally. He got, that? he got that IBM stock, right? Yeah. No, it was Apple. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. He bought it cause it sounded delicious or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
that answers that. The Tumblr ask function isn't the greatest way. Sure. Emails are definitely better. Emails, get on the Facebook group. Uh, and I think, oh, we have the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Instagram's hard to keep track gonna, of questions through, too. Yeah, don't ask questions through the Instagram. We'll we'll answer the questions immediately on the Instagram. Yeah. But we're not going to remember them for the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want something on the podcast, email is the best way because we yeah. can pull it up uh, right before we do this thing. Uh, Palabra. Palabra a tu madre. That's oh, Spanish. What are you talking about? That's Spanish. It's words to your mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's super, like, sidelined me. I have no idea where that uh, came from. <laughs> so what's our, what was our real main topic for uh, today? We're kind of going to talk about podcasts. Yeah. Uh, we got a shout-out from another guitar podcast recently, and we feel like we should return the favor. Uh, we well, have, and you know what's funny is we were actually planning on doing this before we got the shout out. Yeah, so yeah, it worked out. Yeah, there's a there's there's actually a lot of guitar podcasts out there, but wading through a lot of them uh, and trying to f- listen to them, there's not really that much to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and say it, but I feel like we're a pretty good one. I mean, any I'm willing to say that people who are listening to our podcast probably have pretty good taste i can't tell if you're being a douche right now or not oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm willing to bet that they're probably pretty good looking too <laughs> I'm willing, wow yeah, i think that our listeners are probably the very best <laughs> um, but uh there's a there's a podcast uh where uh one of their their guys has started following us and started they became a listener and so we uh he told us about his podcast and we became listeners and uh it's it's fun it's it's called axology right yeah axology it's a x e o l o g y yep uh they're kind they have a similar amount of episodes to us right um no i think they just dropped episode 10 okay we're a little bit ahead Maybe nine, nine yeah. or ten. Something we got like more that. episodes. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's no big <laughs> deal. Uh, but they're more of like if you're into like hard rock and and yeah. kind of like American metal and and stuff like that. Uh, they talk a lot about music culture. Yeah, they're and music they're history. definitely more uh, historically oriented. I've been enjoying. Uh, they kind of because this is the uh, 60th anniversary year for the Stratocaster. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been kind of. Uh, highlighting, they've done a, a few highlight episodes on like different famous Stratocaster players and how those players have kind of influenced music culture and influenced their own playing. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just kind of cool. It's it's pretty laid back, um, and uh, yeah, I, I've enjoyed. I've only listened to I've probably listened to like half a dozen episodes. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a decent like sit back and listen to some friends talk kind yeah. of podcast. And they, you know, talk about other things in their life. Uh, it sounds like they have a side thing going on with, uh, like, tactical gear or survival yeah. gear or something like that. It's interesting. And the uh, the main host, the guy who I think is, yeah, he's, like, the primary host, uh, Adam. Uh, I mean, he's he's built some great-looking guitars. Oh, yeah, he builds them, yeah. Uh, I, he does those, those Telecasters, right? Yeah, he with does the, the ones with, with, the, with the German car. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the German car. And they just look great. So... Um, it's definitely a different different style of podcast. I would, it's it's interesting listening to different podcasts because Ryan and I both listen to comedy podcasts. So uh-huh. we our goal when we kind of 
started out doing this was to have a to do a podcast that was both um a bit more technical yeah as far as the way we talk about gear um but was also really loose and uh, axology is definitely uh it's not as gear heavy it's not like a, it's not a technical podcast right it's not a gearhead podcast it's definitely more of like a a music culture music sure it's a pers- I would call it almost like a perspective podcast, like it's a retrospective podcast, right? Uh, but it's and uh, Adam does occasionally bring in stuff where he's talking about uh, things that he's built and things that he's learned through the building process. So it's really cool. Yeah, I think I think our listeners should be listening to nothing but guitar podcasts. I think there should be so many guitar podcasts out there that are worth listening to that that everyone has to spend every hour of their day listening to guitar podcasts. Like just nothing, consuming nothing but guitar podcasts. I haven't subscribed to this one yet, um, but I got added on Twitter, my personal Twitter account, um, a podcast called Fretboard. Okay. It's it's Fret and then Board, B-O-R-E-D. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about them, but um, check it out. out a few episodes. I've meant to download it. Yeah. I just... I keep forgetting to jump into iTunes yeah. and, and do it. But uh, if any of you guys listen to that, let us know. Yeah. T- and, t- uh, tell us, us about other do. podcasts so we can see who the competition is. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not that we'll hate the competition or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So the f- actually, the first other guitar podcast Ryan told me about was one called um, Six Six String Bliss. Yeah, is that what Six String Bliss. That was like the first one I found when I was searching around to see if there were other guitar podcasts before we got started. And it seems like they are a very long running podcast. Like they've been on the internet since the beginning of podcasts. Right. They have uh, like 200 episodes, I think. Something like that. I get, I haven't been able to make it all the way through any of their episodes. I get the f- impression that they've stopped doing regular episodes and now they are at a point where they are hosting, uh, like, listener generated episodes like listeners in different parts of the world are making their own kind of like little uh recorded articles about something guitar related in their life and so you just listen to it and hear them talk about their experience with music yeah so it if that sounds like your thing you could check that out to me uh it doesn't really hold my attention hmm and then that's, the that's a harsh review, Ryan. I know that's, it's a little tough. I know it, I haven't given it much of a chance. I should probably go back and listen to some of the older episodes. Right. Um. Uh, yeah, it's just hard to figure out where they're coming from. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there is that. And then uh, there's the the GAK podcast. Yeah, you t- you told me about GAK a few weeks ago, and I finally downloaded it. I've listened to two episodes. And uh, I love that podcast. It's, yeah. It's one of my favorite podcasts It's really already. solid. Um, it's a little tough to get adjust to because... So it's... Uh, the GAK podcast is um, from... GAK is a guitar shop over somewhere in, in the Isles, the uh-huh. British Isles. And they're the guys behind GAK.co.uk. Yeah, it's a guitar store. It's a guitar store. So it, they definitely have like a very technical perspective... Um, they talk about a lot of retail stuff. Yeah, they talk a lot about about retail stuff. They talk a lot about practical stuff, um, but and they talk a lot about money. Uh-huh. Um, and it's talk, all in pounds. It's like, all in pounds. I don't know why they weigh their money. Yeah, they keep talking about like 
how this guitar is like 399 pounds i'm like no dude that, that guitar is, is like guitar. that guitar is like eight pounds what are you talking about uh they also talk about quid too quid. what's a quid what i don't know what seafood has to do with this no it's quid not squid what anyway um no so it's all it's all in, in it's all in the queen's english english uh everything that's that we would say is cool or awesome they say is brilliant it's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah uh, and it's, uh, it's worth listening to. I I feel like those guys are close equivalent to us, just more on the retail side. Yeah. We're, we're on the used market side. I think the thing that I really appreciate the most of the two episodes I've listened to is I feel like over here, you know, we talk about Fender. Like, it's all about Fender, Marshall, Vox. Yeah. And then, like, and then I, I, a little bit less Mesa. But Mesa. As far as amps. Yeah. Over there, like... And I would say, like, the hierarchy for what you consider, like, American amps or amps that are popular in the U.S. Uh-huh. I'm going to get some... We're going to get hate mail for this. But it's, like, it's Fender, Fender, and then Marshall just... Yeah. Because uh, Marshall's old. Um, Vox, because Vox is popular in the worship scene. But there's definitely, like, an American amp hierarchy. And one of the things I really like about their podcast is they talk a lot about uh, Orange, because yeah. Orange is super popular, I think, over in the UK, being a UK brand. It's popular brand, here, too. It's popular here, but it's not as popular as it is over there. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely like a different perspective on kind of the same formula. They've talked about, and because they're a shop, they, they talk about stuff that we just don't see because of, yeah. of branding and whatever. And it's it sounds really like cool. a bunch of them are in bands and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Once you get past the accent, it's, it's, it's a really fun podcast. Yeah. I would yeah, check it out. Great. They don't have a group like us, so it's hard. I haven't been able to figure out how to get in touch with them. I think you're, they just want you, like, they take emails at whatever they're, listen sure, to it, sure. they drop their email in it. All right. Well, I think we should wrap this up. Word. Um, yeah. If you've got a podcast that, or if you've got anything that you want us to pimp on the show, yeah, any guitar culture, really. For sure. Um, what, what's our song? I don't I've know. got the notes for this song. You wrote it down. Yeah, we've got a song from uh, Gary Osborne. It's called I'll Be There. I gave it a listen. It sounds really nice. It's kind of like a really mellow, kind of chill out kind of song. Okay. Kind of singer songwriter, but uh, with like an indie vibe to it. Right. Uh, and this is going to be the part where uh, our voices start fading out and yeah. that starts fading in. Is this in. the part where your wife rolls her eyes because you talked about our voices fading out again? <laughs> Sorry, honey. Um, this has been episode 21. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> See you guys next no week. No one wants you anywhere. Like a shadow you can't feel. Like a footstep on your heels Oh, what will you say Baby, don't go away Like a feeling fades in time I'll be yours if you don't mind All I care to do Is my best to be right by you Even if I'm all alone I'll stay that way till you come home And in the middle of the night I'm a 
awake, my eyes are wide. But like a beggar, cannot choose. I guess I'm stuck sticking with you. But where's my reward? Where's my forgiveness? I thought that you had to do those things. I'm torn apart. Outside, I'm faint of heart. And in the middle of the day, I drink all the pain away. But now it's time to face the facts that you're gone and you're not coming back. Like a hobo on a train, I get off when it stops again. But where's my reward for all my resilience? It's not.